So for everyone who's listening, before we get started, I just want to invite you to take a moment to ground in your body and in your heart. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. Take a deep breath in. Fill your lungs with air. And once they're totally full, take a nice slow exhale. And once you've released all the air, slowly open your eyes and see the world in a new way from a grounded place in your direct experience. And I invite you to, as much as possible, listen from the heart as we get to know each other. There we go. So it's the eyes of love. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, you too, Gregory. Yeah. I was thinking uh, about your mom mm. because, you know, she introduced us maybe five years ago or maybe longer. That's right. Yeah. And she was, when I first moved here, she was like one of the first people I met because I went into her shop and was like, oh, cool. There's a new age bookstore in town. Yeah. And I went Treasures to of the Heart. Treasures of the Heart. And she was so warm and inviting. And every time I go in there, she gave me a nice big hug. And, mm. and we made a couple dollars together selling my dog <laughs> meditation CD. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So yeah. it was a great little store. Um, so yeah. How, how long was did she have this store? When did she open it? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think she opened it around 2012. So it's been okay. 10 years now. Wow. Um, yeah, my mom's such an angel. She... I remember helping her open the store and with the idea of it being a kind of a beacon, a temple for people to come to. And yeah. It's perfect that we met there. And it is, yeah. So w when you were growing up as a kid, was your mom sort of always doing that kind of stuff and have, having that type of business? or? Yeah, both my parents are very spiritually oriented. My mom... My mom did bereavement counseling, and mm, she okay. she has a, a history of, of supporting people, and so that really came into her business when she started that. But right. yeah, um, my she she's always had some sort of um, sacred art business, at least since I was about yeah twelve mm -hmm. twelve years old. And she's an LA LA girl, LA woman. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> that's right. My mom's my mom's an LA woman, American. My dad's. Uh, a Calgary man, Canadian. So oh, wow. I'm a child of both worlds. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and you were born and raised on, on the island here, right? Uh, yes. I, well, my parents met here. They actually met on the Buddhist retreat center on top of Mount Tuam. Right. Right. Um, so that's a big part of my origin story. But I did, I grew up, I had a lot of my formative years in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, really? Yeah. So you guys lived there for a while, too? We did. Oh, man. Sort of Salt Springs desert sister city. I think so, yeah. I've been there a couple times, you know, mm. going to the art museums and the food. Yes. Delicious. True Mexican food. Yeah, and the sky. Something, when we drive between Santa Fe and Taos, you know, sort oh, of yeah. when I go on vacation there. Nice. And I just remember you'd sort of look out, right? At the tumbleweeds and the sky and the and the land that just went forever and it felt like a dream. I felt like I was in a dream. Oh. Oh, I mean, they it's the the state's sort of title is land of enchantment, right? And for once, I actually think they got it right. <laughs> That's funny. Mm, yeah. yeah. So that must have been fun. So you guys lived there, and then you pretty much moved here. Yeah. Well, actually. To be honest, I begged my parents to move back to Salt Spring because really? I'd seen the high school. I'd seen the way that. Basically, people seemed to get along, mm -hmm. called their teachers by their first names. 
and it just it seemed like a beautiful community so right. i i took a picture of fulford harbor when we were coming in made it the desktop picture on my computer and all through middle school i just manifested <laughs> coming back to salt spring okay and it's it's my heart home so you went to uh, Gis, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that yeah. seems like it's a great school. They have like an improv group and... Oh, absolutely. It's so... There's such a focus on the arts, mm -hmm. um, theater, dancing, music. Yeah. But for me, it was, yeah, it was where I found my people and started to find myself. And you, you have a creative interests and, and urges too, right? Yeah. yeah. In, in writing and in speaking. Mm -hmm. um, Mostly, mostly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fun. You know, I wanted to say too, when we met a few weeks ago at your uh, at your office, mm. you had the best coffee that oh. I've ever had in an office. <laughs> oh, thank you. Because <laughs> usually when you walk into an office and they say, "Would you yeah. like some coffee?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's okay." <laughs> I I love coffee. It yeah. is it is the one addiction I allow myself. So I yeah. I pride myself on making good coffee. What were, are those? What were the beans? If I if I may ask. Okay, so this is hilarious, maybe a little embarrassing on my part, yeah. but it was just a freshly brewed, perfectly proportioned Tim Hortons blend. Tim Hortons, okay, <laughs> there you go. I know, often people go for the fancy stuff, but I, I like it kind of light. I've been, I've had a couple times uh, coffee at Tim Hortons, and I was like, oh, this is good. I was expecting like McDonald's, you mm. know water, but it was like, okay, this is good. Right. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. So you grew up on the island, and, and yes. Um, yeah. What What does your dad do? What was your dad doing at the time? Um, so my actually my both my parents before my mom opened up her store, Treasures of the Heart, my parents had a business together called Heart of the Lotus, mm. which um, very similar, but they sold everything from treasures and gemstones, sort of what my mom sells now. But they also had a furniture store where they oh. sold, and my dad was mainly Ryan ran that part. Mm -hmm. um, so honestly, all my life I grew up with, with altars all around me, with, um, you know, Buddhas and Tonkas on the walls. It's just a normal thing. Yeah. It was a normal thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of my journey was honestly rebelling against that. Really? I had a, oh, a unique... Yeah. Is that how the sort of got you interested in where you ended up at McGill studying Western psychology? Exactly. Okay. So basically I was, I don't want to go to another one of your retreats, mom and dad. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, but yet that, that, that's passion for the mystery of life. That, yeah. that desire to go deep was still, was mm -hmm. such a core part of me. So yeah, exactly. My way around that was to study uh, Western philosophy and Eastern religions mm -hmm. um, with a minor in psychology at McGill. Did you find uh, any types of sort of intersections between Western and, and Eastern that really kind of popped and, and sparked your imagination? And... Yeah, absolutely. I found, I mean, I loved particularly like Eastern European philosophy. So Western, but say existentialism, phenomenology, and what, and actually I did love the ancients too. So I think probably a good example of um, a bridge mm. was I wrote my undergraduate thesis um, on the mean and the middle way. Okay. So Aristotle's principle of that every virtue is a mean between two opposites, between two vices. Uh -huh. okay. So if you go too far, too much or too little, and it's no longer a virtue. And I really saw that as being so beautifully similar mm -hmm. to the Buddha's wisdom to walk the middle way between, say, 
lavishness his life as a prince and asceticism right right so had to learn that the enlightenment lies in between mm. yeah if you take the extremes and then i think also there's two actually two two things in buddhism when they talk about the middle way that's the first one and then the sort of mm -hmm. the more philosophical aspect is that of nihilism versus eternalism, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing is true, and then, oh, there's a God out there. And it's like, mm, no, yeah. neither one of those th things are necessarily uh, proven in Buddhist philosophy anyway. Yes. Yeah, and you're, you're supposed to, the idea is just to sort of rest in the idea that none of those things are true. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, and that, <clears throat> it's one thing to really grasp that theoretically, but it's, yeah. it's another to, to live it. Experience it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, I also want to say a huge takeaway was, was from Hindu thought, from mm. Advaita Vedanta, the, the principle that the universal soul mm -hmm. is the same as the individual soul. Like Brahman is Atman. And for me, what I, what I took that as what helped shape my worldview mm. is that there is we are all extensions of life expressions of life itself right yeah. and so even though each of us is a, a unique individual with all of our our richness our uniqueness what makes us us the the one thing that every single living being has in common is precisely the most precious thing about us it's the very thing that makes us alive that life force. Yeah, our consciousness. Our consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. So that was another takeaway. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I've definitely studied uh, Vedanta. Um, sort of for me, for Hinduism and, and um, the Vedas and Upanishads mm. and Gita, it's sort of like there's so much. Right? Yes. And it's like uh, you read some of these stories and then. The, the, the story's going on and then they it takes a twist and then the, another story starts <laughs> you're like wait oh, it's a rich mythology but it really is yeah i don't know i don't know how people really can dive into it daunting yeah 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 i i suppose that's why for me buddhism i loved it because it's such a practice mm, and right. so and I, I would really just look to hinduism for to f flesh out certain and certain answers that buddhism didn't go as deep into right so emptiness was a powerful concept i think it applies well to the practice yeah but i wanted something a little more tangible like what is at the core of all things and, mm. <laughs> and i liked your word consciousness yeah awareness interesting so you went to a lot of retreats you said with your parents they, they dragged you along or, <laughs> were you like five or 13 how old were you where these things were happening oh yeah some of my earliest ones were five my parents are both followers of ajashanti mm -hmm. a non-dual teacher from california um but honestly the most powerful retreat of my life happened after my undergraduate degree when in india with my mom mm. um she she basically took me to a silent retreat in Bodh Gaya, in okay. the village where the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree right. and had his awakening experience. Um, and that was a moment that, that changed my life. How long was that retreat? Like a... It was a seven-day retreat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. People don't understand. <laughs> oh, I didn't understand. Yeah. I'd, um, I'd studied meditation and, and Buddhist and Hindu thought for four years, but when I actually sat down on the cushion on the first of seven days, I realized, oh my God, I've, I've never meditated before. Yeah. <laughs> Not like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really, you need that foundational yeah. uh, in Buddhism, like it's called shamatha. But mm -hmm. just to have a calm mind, if you don't have a calm mind and then you start mm -hmm. exploring your mind 
or you're just trying to sit there in, in some type of you know zen no thought type of thing you're gonna be in trouble really fast oh I, and i was yeah. i, I want to say like the first day <clears throat> it was just brutal because not only was my mind spinning mm -hmm. out of control but the worst part is how harshly i was judging myself um, for my mind spinning out of yeah. control i you know i i know a I think in a way we all have an inner critic, but yeah, mine just went, went crazy. Like what's wrong with you? You studied this for so many years. Can't, why can't you even meditate? Um, and it was all consuming. I, I, it was exhausting. Yeah. Um, but then that's actually what led to one of the most transformative moments of my life. When I first, when I first saw through eyes of love, which, um, was, after just, I was exhausted. I'd worn myself down to the bone. And then this nurturing, powerful feminine voice came into my head mm. and spoke the most powerful words that I think that I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to live. She said, sweet child, it's not about you. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's phew. You can spend a lot of time before you come to that realization. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, just see the oneness of everything and in a holographic sort of way or however you might come to it. Well, that's what came next because I, I realized it was that's what allowed me to get out of my own way because mm -hmm. that's when it dawned on me. The reason I'm having such a hard time at this retreat is because... I'm treating it as a test of my self-worth. Yeah, and you're you're like, pushing yourself and you're trying really hard. Ex and the stakes are so high. Like if, <laughs> if I succeed, okay, good, I'm okay. Yeah. If I fail, then I'm completely worthless at everything I ever aspired to. I, I sat under the Buddha tree. And... <laughs> I didn't experience anything. <laughs> but then it dawned on me like, wait a second. It's not about me sitting under the Buddha tree. Like I get to be here at in this incredible place surrounded by pe people from around the world that are all here to deepen into awareness and love together. Yeah. And I was missing all that because I was just looking at me. Yeah. Mm. Well, that first time when you do sit down to sort of meditate for mm. seriously, you're going to take it serious and you have a teacher or you go on yeah. a retreat or something where there's lessons, that is just an awakening moment where you go, oh my God, my mind is just insane. You never mm. knew it. It's just so normal. Yeah. You just think, you know, <laughs> all day long. Oh, the, the Tibetan Buddhists call it monkey mind, yeah, right? right? Yeah. I wonder, too, I've, 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 it would be really nice to kind of, I'm, this is an impossible task, but just think of how many different things do you think do you think of during the course of the day? Oh. And then are they just sort of cycled? Are there like five categories that you go through, like mm. my life, my job, uh, whatever, the chores I have to do, my spiritual practice, what I'm doing next week? Or it's just sort of like that. that is, there must be a, a couple oh, yeah. of high-level buckets. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely, definitely see it with my clients and within myself that it's it's true. It's the same sort of thing on repeat. I think that's part of what the egoic mind does. It yeah. recycles the same material. And so, you know, that's, that's why getting a break from that was so profound. And that's what, what helped me really, that's where eyes of love started to actually crystallize. Cause then once I was no longer, once my thoughts could fade to the background, mm -hmm. this, all this being so hard on myself, what then came forward was 
I was able to experience the moment so richly. I, what happened for me is for the first time in my life, I realized that plants are alive. Mm. <laughs> like I'd, oh. I'd thought about them so intellectually. Like, I mean, sure, they grow, they, they're living beings, but, you know, categorically, but I viewed them like buildings or art, you know, mm. oh, that's a aesthetically pleasing tree or, sure, sure. but then finally when I was able, when I was present and, and looking from this, from this clear open place, I started to feel that they had energy, life force, the same as, as you and I and dogs and cats and that they're beings that we can connect with. Yeah. It's interesting you brought that up because this week I was just playing, uh, some Stevie Wonder, he did an album called <sighs> The Secret Life of Plants. Mm. And I think it was the soundtrack to a documentary. But he has songs and they're like, you know, he wishes he can, when he comes back, reincarnated, that he can come back as a flower. And there's a song about him, about a flowers, from a flower's perspective. Oh, they're such beautiful wow. songs. And he kind of took a little bit of a hit. His career was like on this upward trajectory forever. And then, and then did that one. Everyone's like, there, what? Like, I, don't, I don't relate to that. What <laughs> yeah. does that mean? But there's, uh, there's probably like four amazing, amazing tunes on there. I mean, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that really brings it home. If we can reincarnate as a plant, then... <laughs> And it's like, oh, wow, maybe maybe we, it's time to open to them a little more. Yeah, I think that might be better than like an animal because animals really suffer. People think, oh, they yeah. like to come back as a dog. Well, it really depends on who, <laughs> and, and what, what country, for example, that you're going to come back as. Exactly. But a flower, you're just like out, outside all day in the sun and there's maybe there's a bee. <laughs> That's right. No, it's true. And, you know, and it's it's a, a, a it would be a, a lifelong lesson in in being. Yeah, so, you know, like a flower or a tree, all you can do is just soak in the water, soak in the sunlight, and mm. you're, and also a, a lesson in, in acceptance, because you're, you are at the mercy of animals that can move. Yeah. But as long as, but I, I do get the feeling that plants have a level of, just accepting what is that would be hard for us to understand. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you talk about consciousness too. How does it move like? Uh, I studied Rosicrucianism uh, early mm. on in my life, and that's oh, sort of no. Christian mysticism, and they have a oh, reincarnation lovely. component. And they they sort of said, well, the soul vibrates at different levels and frequencies, and the human mm. is different than the the bee or the, the the rabbit or something. So you you yeah. would never cycle through um, to these lower forms. Whereas Buddhism is like, yeah, you you go through a lot of different animals and realms. Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure that it's. And yeah, I mean, I, I think these are questions that we'll, we'll never know the answer to because mm -hmm. words can only point to right. the answer. But, but for me, I, I tend to always favor like the worldview that's, that's more rich and complex. Yeah. I mean, to just, it would be a great meditation to just think what it'd be like to be a flower. Just yes. to totally experience that. Absolutely. Yeah. Allow yourself to feel that. I think, yeah. um, I think speaking of the word Sukhavati, you know, or Sukhavati mm -hmm. Studios here, when that that is like the, that's a Buddhist heaven, right? And yeah. when you go there, you have one of two. You're you're sort of born there in one of two ways. You mm -hmm. arrive there in one of two ways. It, it, both ways are in a lotus flower. Okay. And if you're sort of if you have the right views and merit and and all of that, the lotus flower will open up, and then you'll be able to experience that. If you don't. You're inside the lotus, but it's closed. And, oh. and I think you're in there for like 500 years or something. You can still experience the full 
dharmic teachings and everything that's sort of so happening. Hear them through the, the yeah. closed petals. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting. It is. Yeah, it's that I I I love the sweetness of that analogy. That that also that reminds me of a, a Rumi poem that's a, a little more visceral, but I think also very potent and, and maybe explores the same idea. Rumi says, none can resist a divine invitation. Mm. But once you're called, you can you have two choices. You can either go to God dressed for dancing or be carried on a stretcher to God's ward. <laughs> so you're going to be taken care of either way. Yeah. But we have this, this precious human life. I love that concept from Tibetan Buddhism. Right, right. And we have this opportunity to deepen into into awareness into taking in the present moment into love opening to ourselves opening to others and i and i to me that's what it what it looks like to get dressed for dancing whereas being being caught in the thoughts that you, know, that you were talking about earlier the the endless themes the mm. suffering the self-deprecation getting locked in these cycles that feel like there's no escape that's how I think we wear ourselves down and our poor battered souls that need to be carried yeah. on a stretcher to be nurtured and cared for. Yeah, and I think sort of the older you get, you know, I can say this from experience, you know, mm. it, it just, it gets a little bit harder, you know. Yeah. And you really, you know, life like like a plant, it's sort of, it's always in sort of a state of decay. Sure. So you, when you're young, it's like, it doesn't feel like that. Like you, your body's on top of the world, the world invincible. But then it's like, okay, hit like 30 or 40 or something. And, yeah. and you realize, well, you have to do a little bit more just to sort of maintain an even balance of things. And that's yes. true of the mental world, I think, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in that, I know I can only, I can only imagine that that can be disconcerting and maybe disillusioning at times. Mm-hmm. But I also see that as maybe a, a call to really... Yeah, it's part of the fabric of life, you know. You it, just have to... Accepting that. Yes. That you're getting older. That's right. <laughs> it's an opportunity because to accept, I would imagine, would bring more peace, whereas to resist it. Yeah. It's like the suffering's just going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned the G word, God. I have that on my little card here. Mm. So Western philosophy, Tibetan Buddhism, Hinduism, what, what is your sort of concept of, of that word? Mm, absolutely. And take your time. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a big question. I really want to want to answer from the heart as much as possible because there's so much that can be said intellectually. Mm. I think one thing that western philosophy helped me grasp is that God is the the foundation of all things. So I see God as perhaps less personified. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I, when I think of God, I think of that, that open-hearted awareness out of which everything extends. Mm -hmm. So true nature. And then every individual, every plant, every planet is true expression of that nature. And so it's kind of the, the unity underneath diversity. So we are all a part of God, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was Meister Eckhart's belief, right? Mm -hmm. And and that wasn't necessarily particularly liked by the church at the time. They said, no, you're, you're, you're not divine. 
you know, yeah. you, and God is sort of separate. And to believe that, well, yeah, I mean, if I recall Eckhart, Mr. Eckhart saying, it just sort of makes sense. If God is everything, then and you're here too, then you're part of everything. Exactly. And it's, it seems like a, to me, sometimes it seems like a subtle subtle difference are yeah. we created by god or are we extensions of god right like molded or um molded out of this plato or like the plato is god yeah and i the latter that we're molded from like we're an extension of god just makes the most sense to me right. it's, and and another and an, actually another a simple way to put it is life with a capital l mm -hmm. that's an, that's one word I, I love to use for god yeah because it's it's that life force that flows through all things yeah life force and the consciousness and its awareness yes yeah and i do believe <clears throat> that it's loving like i believe that there's like unconditionally loving so there's so this, that's one of the aspects of, one of, of the core aspects yeah yeah in the same way that you know, in, in Tibetan Buddhism, wisdom and compassion go hand in hand. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. I believe that in the same way, the divine or, or consciousness, its two aspects are, are truth or direct awareness and love, openness, yeah. connection, and, and unconditional love. So it's accepting every person, every being, exactly as they are so it in all of our imperfections our our flaws even our you know our, our lust our rage our jealousy that you know that's that's what is yeah and, even, and if you can realize that sort of that's kind of the realm that we're in here the human realm mm -hmm. and if you can realize that everyone sort of has that then you, there's yeah. no need to kind of beat yourself up over that exactly yeah and you know and that's that's so much of what I what I try to what I want to bring forward what I hope to talk about and explore more and more deeply throughout these these podcasts yeah yeah is what what that can look like to to see ourselves and the world around us through eyes of love eyes of love no that's the name of your practice and and yes. um how long have you sort of had had your space there and how long have you sort of officially been out there um practicing yeah as a thank, counselor thank you for asking so I've been a, a registered clinical counselor for about a year and a half now. And, okay. that's, and I opened my, my practice, Eyes of Love Psychotherapy, right away mm -hmm. on Salt Spring Island. It's, yeah. I, I knew what I wanted. Salt Spring is my heart home. I longed to come back. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to open my own practice um, where I could really practice bit from this philosophy, this worldview, and this spiritual practice that means so much to me. I think it's great that you came back here because you've traveled around. Yeah. You know, you went to McGill. You, I know you were in San Francisco with your mom. Yes. You were traveling around a bit. That's you right. You see other places and you're like, I, I, whenever I travel, I go to a place. I just fall in love with it usually. And I always <laughs> want to move there. Like Santa yeah. Fe, I got to move here. I got to move here. You know. Oh, well, but, yeah. it, but it's interesting that you would sort of uh, decide to come back here. And it's definitely, there is, you know, Salt Spring for people who don't know. Mm. Sort of has this, sort of this hippie, mm -hmm. right, sort of spiritual um, um, theme to it, I guess you could say. And it's sort of morphed through time. Like if you look back yeah. th through old uh, newspapers and you can kind of see the way people were. I mean, this just sort of it was really plain hippie farmer mm. types, you know, mm -hmm. really digging the soil as opposed to now. There's, there's a lot of different stuff happening on here for sure. Well, it's true. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what I love about it, though, is mm -hmm. that 
you know, it's a relatively small island, right. but it, to me, it's not a small town like yeah. in the in the stereotypes of close-minded or everyone thinks the same. Right. I think because Salt Spring has this open-mindedness, this like as you say, sort of new agey mm-hmm. focus on on retreats, on growing. There's a yoga center. Um, there's always these amazing, either nature based or different spiritual retreats going on. That draws people from all over the world. Yeah, and it's a big, it's important yoga center that we have here. Yeah, yeah, very well known. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. In, I, I came here from Vancouver, and to me. Mm. That was, um, that's kind of a city. It's a small city, but, yeah. but things happen, you know, people get murdered and, and sure. there's car accidents and there's things and you read about it and, and if it, it doesn't really, if you don't know the person, it doesn't really touch you. But here when things happen, mm. it's really, a, a, it's very impactful. That's right. On the whole community, you know, yeah. uh, I remember a few years ago, there was a woman who owned a cab driving business here who was, who died very suddenly and violently. And, yeah. The whole island just shaken for weeks, yeah. for weeks. You know, even if you didn't know her personally, you, you saw her driving around and you ran into she, her at the grocery store. Yeah, she was very sweet. I didn't have a car when I first moved here, so I got oh. to know her really well. Right, and it was just it was so yeah. so. You got to sort of experience, you know. And there's people, you know, that like uh, I, there was one little old woman I used to see her in 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 the grocery store every day mm. she just kind of wandered uh-huh. around there and she's chatting with everybody and then one day yeah. i saw you know she, she made the obituaries you know i was like oh, oh no kidding she's not gonna be there anymore you know yeah so these See. it's very impactful it's very real living here yes. the people and the, the things that you develop i mean you you know everywhere you go people know you you can't oh. <laughs> you know it's like Isn't there's no the it's impossible to like walk outside and or go to the store or just oh. walk downtown and not bump into somebody oh absolutely yeah. you know and it is true, and if I'm ever feeling tired or like I don't want to connect, I've, I've definitely been known to like duck behind an aisle at the at the, at the country grocery grocery <laughs> store, and then I've talked to a lot of friends on Salt Spring. Like, oh no, I do that too. Yeah. It's kind of a little secret. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel a little guilty sometimes. Like, oh, there's a guy. I'm like, oh, I should well, say hi. We talked a long time last time. <laughs> That's right. You know, but at its core, I. <laughs> No, it's true. Uh, yeah, I think it's beautiful that you that you decided to come back here because that's a very you know mm. powerful life decision. You had finished yeah. your schooling and you're mm-hmm. like, I need to decide where I'm going to start, and you come back here. I was like, Whoa, yeah, it's great. Well, I I love it. Like Salt Spring makes it really easy to embody this practice, mm-hmm. so that and um, precisely for what you're describing, that people are they're much more engaged. So sometimes in a city, there can be a distance. Like yeah. you mentioned, the, the tragedies you see on the news, they, there's a detachment. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, they land heavily in your heart. Yeah. But likewise, the the positive things do too. And there's a uh, the fall fair, just a, you know, a humble like farm animals and games. The whole community gets so excited. People come together. Um, and actually, so I, I um, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I did my graduate studies in in um, San Francisco at the California Institute of Integral Studies, right. or CIAS, and I loved the school. It taught. Very famous, yeah. It's and yeah, and for for the right reasons, I think. Yeah, like it's really they make sure that we we practice what we preach. So for studying counseling, 
we have to go through intense counseling ourselves before we're ever allowed to support and hold someone else. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, it's integral in in that it honors the body, the heart, the mind, and the soul. Mm -hmm. No issue, like say anxiety, a traditional counselor may just look at thoughts and behaviors, take a very cognitive approach. Yeah, that's very popular behavioral, yeah. And that's important for Mm -hmm. sure, but it's one, only one piece of the picture. Yeah. What happens in the body when that anxiety comes up? What what else happens in the heart? Mm. And how does that connect with your soul? Is mm. there is there a message behind it? Something that's that's your soul is needing or calling for? Yeah. Well, and, you look at in the, in the states, for example, there's just a tendency, and it's so much different than Canada, right? Sure. Having grown up in the states and coming here, mm-hmm. just culturally, mm-hmm. the, the main thing down there is just sort of, well, what's the pill that they can give you? To, yes. You know. And I, you know, it's 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 more dramatic in the states, but I do find that that is still a part of cult, of our culture in Canada. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. we're more community minded in general. Like, yeah, people really sort of look out for each other. To, in a certain way, for sure. Whereas America or the states, rather, is more of a, every man for himself and God against all, and good luck. <laughs> right, right. You know, and I, yeah, you know, I, and I think stereotypes come from somewhere. Like yeah. I think, generally speaking, you're right. Mm-hmm. And I also, I did find some lovely communities in the U.S. that that were more community minded. And yeah. there have been times in Vancouver, walking down the street, when I felt a little bit every man for himself, or Toronto. Sure. But but it's true, you know, and. And so going to to CIS, it, it taught me this holistic framework. And I loved the school. I adored it. I actually, I teach there now. Yeah, right. They, that was uh, the honor of my life. They invited me to be an adjunct professor and teach a course called Therapeutic Communication. Oh, I, I smell a, a, a podcast <laughs> episode. It, absolutely. We yeah. can we can bookmark that maybe. Yeah, Because yeah. it's... it's it's essentially I'm teaching beginning therapists the core ways of listening and communicating therapeutically. Wow, okay. But more than that, and this is this is what I want to get to, is the thread that ties it all together mm. is helping my students, these new therapists, learn how to drop from their head down into their heart mm. so that they can then guide their clients into that process. Cool. And the reason this came up is I find that it's really grounding for me to be teaching this course on Zoom from Salt Spring. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my students will ask, you know, how are you so grounded? Mm-hmm. Like, well, let me sh- let me show you a few pictures about where I am right yeah, now. Come stay for a week, yeah. Yeah, come for a retreat. Wow. This yeah. sounds like a good uh, spot for meditation. Yes, absolutely. Okay, everyone. So as we begin to shift... I invite you to either close your eyes or look gently at the floor. Allow your breathing to deepen and soften. Start to find a rhythm that feels easy and natural. There's no need to breathe any more deeply or shallowly than feels comfortable. As you begin to connect with yourself, I want to say that any invitation I offer in this meditation is just that. It's an invitation. If anything I say ever doesn't feel right or doesn't feel like the direction you want to go, feel welcome to just tune me out for a little while 
and deepen into silence or your own practice. So with that said, now begin to follow your breath into your body. You might imagine attaching your awareness to your next inhale and riding it like a wave down into your lungs. And to feel your awareness spreading all the way through your body, just as the oxygen spreads through all of your veins. Feel your breath spreading down through your torso, through your legs, going all the way to the soles of your feet. Feel the breath spreading up into your facial muscles, down your arms, and all the way up to every corner of your brain, clearing your neural pathways, opening your mind. As you continue to feel the breath moving through your body, Notice its quality. What is the most nurturing in this moment? Is the breath cooling or is it warming? And in this moment, experiment with attaching a quality to the breath that would be the most supportive for you in this moment. Perhaps clarity, clearing any energy blocks in the body. Perhaps soothing, nurturing any aches or pains in your muscles. Perhaps an invigorating awakening energizing and enlivening your cells. And while your awareness is on your body, let's take the next few breaths to notice any sensations that arise in your body. as much as possible to look from a place of gentle curiosity. There's no need to change the sensation in this moment. No need to understand it even. Just for these moments, see if you can let it be just as it is. Allow your awareness to be like a still pond and any contraction in a muscle or looseness, 
any grumbling in the stomach or breeze on the skin. It's like a ripple in the pond. When you're ready, if you feel called, I invite you to gently place your hand on your heart and with your next breath, shift your awareness easily and gently from the body to your heart. Breathe into your heart. Fill your heart with life. Fill your heart with space. And fill your heart with your awareness and your attention. Take a moment to notice just how vast your heart is. You can feel so many things from such joy to deep sadness. There's more than enough space to hold any emotion that arises. Once again, let's spend the next few moments noticing with gentle curiosity which emotions arise in the heart, like ripples in the still pond. your mood in this moment. You may notice a specific emotion. As much as possible, just for now, let it be here, exactly as it is. There's more than enough space for that emotion to find expression. And to be just as it is. And when you feel ready, Gently take your hand from your heart and with your next breath, acknowledge the mind, bringing your awareness up to the crown of your head and acknowledging that thoughts can be here too. Thoughts are ripples in the pond, just like sensations and emotions.
And as you notice any thoughts that may be coming, see if you can focus on the way that that thought lands in your body, in your heart. What is the quality of that thought? Is it exciting or saddening? Is it fast or slow? Is it broad or specific? What are the vibrations that that thought creates in your system. Finally, as we close this meditation, with your next breath, allow your awareness to expand to include the body, the heart, and the mind. Allow your awareness to fill you up all the way from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Notice how it feels to be all of you in this moment. Body, heart, mind, and soul. Now let's take one more deep breath together. All the way in. All the way out. Now slowly, slowly let your eyes open. And see the world anew. Thank you, Dash. Oh, thank you, Gregory.